broadcasting from Resistance headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. It is Thursday, October 12th, 2017, and I am located at the intersection right now of uh, Coffee Lane and Piner Road in the city limits of Santa Rosa, just outside the evacuation zone uh, for the what they're calling the Tubbs Fire, which is the, uh, the wildfire that swept across Santa Rosa late uh, Sunday night into, into Monday morning and continues to burn off in the hills to the east of of where I am right now. Um, we're gonna try to do a, a show here. Uh, this is supposed to be the Thursday uh, podcast. Obviously, we won't have all the bells and whistles and, and commercials and things like that uh, because I'm recording the show on my cell phone uh, sitting in my car at, the, uh, at this intersection. And in fact, about a block from where I'm sitting right now is the most devastated area of of the entire Santa Rosa region uh, in throughout uh, Sonoma County. If you've seen the aerial pictures of the, of what looks like an atomic bomb went off in this uh, residential neighborhood, just on the other side of the 101 near a Kohl's shopping center with an Applebee's and a McDonald's and the entire neighborhood behind that, which is I think called the Coffee Park area, that's C-O-F-F-E-Y, and uh, it looks like a couple of uh, worker guys are walking behind me. I don't know if they're going to tell me to leave or what, but I'm just sitting here uh, recording my show, so this shouldn't be a problem. A couple of guys uh, with PG&E vests on. PG&E is the uh, electrical company, and, and they also uh, manage the gas service in, uh, in California. And I think in most of California... Uh, certainly, certainly here. Um, I'll get back to the PG&E and the situation with utilities uh, in a little bit. But uh, this is going to be a really unusual show. Uh, this is the first show I've done without sitting in front of a microphone with my headphones in my comfort zone with all of my noises and and uh, whoever my co-host happens to be on that particular day. Um, we're We're now doing this in the middle of the biggest and most destructive wildfire in the history of California. They just uh, declared that yesterday. I believe the governor's office uh, looked at all the data and they determined that this is the the worst environmental calamity to hit California uh, in terms of wildfires in, in history. And I think they're assessing the overall uh, property damage and uh, loss of life and so forth. Certainly not the same as, say, for example, the San Francisco earthquake or things like that but in terms of wildfires i you know i i even kind of object to the word wildfire uh to describe this set of fires because what we witnessed sunday night into monday morning especially and what continues now uh is less like a wildfire to me and more like a a fire storm so you know i just want to take you back to sunday night and and give you sort of the TikTok of how everything went down. Uh, 
Kimberly Johnson and I were sitting in our apartment Sunday night at about 9.30. We were watching uh, the... Uh, we were watching Real Time with Bill Maher, in fact. Friday night's episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. We were watching it Sunday evening. And at about 9.30, the power went out. And about five, minute, five minutes later, the power came back on. So I went around and reset all of our digital clocks, grumbling about it, like, oh, I can't believe I have to reset all of our clocks now. Damn it. Damn it, this power outage. I mean, little did I know <laughs> that within a matter of hours, we would be in the middle of this, uh, this massive crisis. So at about 1130, the power went out again. And this time, it didn't look like it was coming back. We sat around waiting for it to come back, and it never came back. So we decided to uh, head off to bed. And we were awakened at about, I don't even know what time it was, maybe 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. One of those times of morning where you are just half asleep. And, 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 and I was absolutely in that groggy middle-of-the-night condition where you don't want to get out of bed, but suddenly there's a crisis. If you've ever had a fire alarm in your building or something like that in the middle of the night, you're disoriented. You don't know what's going on, but you're trying to figure out, uh, am I in danger? Am I not in danger? So we get a knock on the door and it's one of our neighbors in our apartment building saying, everyone's evacuating because there's a fire nearby. And so we have to get out. And, uh, so I, I went and checked the city of Santa Rosa website. I didn't see any evacuation notice for our area. I signed up for the, I think the text message was sent to 888-777, something like that with your area code. And then you would start to get text messages from this service called Nixel. And Nixel is like the main hub of information for first responders and for evacuations and things like that. So I didn't get any evacuation notice through there. So but what I did do is I looked out the window to see the sky to the south and to the east just glowing bright orange. I mean, more orange than Trump and John Boehner combined. I mean, it was apocalyptic orange in the dead of night in the sky nearby. And in fact, the orange glow that I was seeing were the fires in the area where I'm sitting right now. Uh, the coffee park area, that neighborhood, uh, that was on fire. We were hearing loud explosions, which we learned later on were uh, propane tanks exploding, maybe people's uh, uh, barbecues and, and other propane tanks just igniting and blowing up, which probably and certainly exacerbated the fire. And so um, we just sat tight, uh, waiting. We got together, we took the time to get together our go bags. This is a term that uh, I've never experienced before, <laughs> to have a go bag ready, or a get the fuck out bag, as they're being called. And um, I want to get to this story in a little bit, but I mean, this isn't my first fire crisis. And to go through my apartment evaluating which items were okay to burn or melt and which items were worthy of keeping was not a pleasant experience. It was like putting yourself into an actual disaster that had already happened. You're imagining 
oh hell, this is all the stuff that I'm going to see charred perhaps within 12 to 24 to 48 hours uh, if we're evacuated. And so that <laughs> that's a rather unpleasant and stressful and distressing uh, experience where the actual grief process begins preemptively at that point is what I've discovered. It's not, it's not a fun experience. And so, uh, you know what I'm going to do? Okay. I'm just checking my voice memos feature here on my phone to make sure I'm still recording. <laughs> I hate to have been talking all this time and for this thing to not be recording my voice. Uh, this should be just as a side note, this should be an interesting process because once I'm done recording the voice memo on my phone, I've got to transfer the file over to a laptop that I have, and then I'm going to post it from my laptop to the Patreon page, and hopefully everyone will be able to uh, to hear that and get that file. So fingers crossed, I could be doing this for nothing. <laughs> it, it may not, the process I've worked out in my head may not even work. So, uh, but if you're hearing this, it certainly has. So anyway, uh, throughout the rest of Sunday night into Monday morning, uh, there was no sleep to be had. We were just up watching, making sure that the fire wasn't engulfing some of the trees nearby. Uh, and and fortunately, we discovered later that it is a good, I mean, the glow that we saw was a good uh, several miles from our house, if not maybe upwards of five miles. I think it's the difference between where where we live, our apartment complex, and where the uh, the Piner coffee area fire was. Uh, which, by the way, that was the easternmost extent or I should say the westernmost extent of, of this firestorm that started in the eastern mountains and, and with the 75 mile an hour winds blew straight across the residential areas on one side of the 101. The fire then hopped the 101 freeway into the residential areas on the other side. And I mentioned earlier the, uh, the Kohl's shopping center with the Applebee's and the McDonald's. Kohl's is still there. Uh, McDonald's is apparently gone. Applebee's is gone. Uh, I drove by the Trader Joe's where I used to shop when I first moved to Santa Rosa. That uh, Trader Joe's is damaged, uh, but still partly intact. The Mexican restaurant next to it is gone. Um, in fact, the apartment that I lived in when I first moved, it was a month-to-month lease. When I first moved uh, from Hawaii to Northern California, I rented an apartment. And literally that apartment is about a block or two from where I'm sitting right now. So if I had still been living in that apartment, I would have been evacuated uh, and obviously still evacuated at this point in time, uh, not knowing whether or not my apartment was destroyed. (laughs) So in that regard, I'm really, really glad I moved (laughs) to where I am now, which uh, I don't know if I've mentioned uh, my current apartment is less than a mile, I would say about a half a mile from the northwestern corner of the evacuation zone. So we got really fucking lucky. I mean, this was uh, uh, luck like you wouldn't believe. We haven't been evacuated. There hasn't been any fires in our neighborhood. The only real inconvenience that we have at this point is uh, the lack of electricity and the lack of uh, gas. And we have gas, hot water in, uh, in our apartment complex. So it's been cold showers <laughs> for the last couple of days. And, and while it's a matter of privilege to only have cold showers and lack of electricity that we're dealing with, I mean, it really is. It's, it's a matter of privilege because uh, 
it, if to me it feels difficult to complain about something like that, knowing that uh, many of our, our neighbors here uh, don't have homes. I mean, nothing left. I, I really can't emphasize that enough, that uh, what remains in, in many of these neighborhoods, certainly neighborhoods on both sides of the 101 in Santa Rosa, have been just leveled. And the fire didn't discriminate, by the way, between Trump voters or Hillary voters or rich people or poor people. I mean, multi-million dollar homes in one area were destroyed while trailer parks in another area were destroyed just as as viciously by this fire. And again, I do want to come back to the issue of the, the climate and how the climate crisis certainly exacerbated all of this crap. Uh, so back to the story. So since Monday, uh, it has been uh, stressful uh, not knowing because the unpredictability of the fire. I mean, no one, unlike hurricanes or other natural disasters, even volcanoes, you can monitor the volcano activity. You know when there might be an eruption or a lava flow coming toward you. There's enough advanced warning. But with a fire, uh, and especially a fire like this, where it was a, really a perfect storm between the fire being touched off and the winds, the 75 mile an hour winds that kicked it off straight across, pushed it right through uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, that, that is, a, I would imagine, a, an extraordinarily rare event when you get all of those things coinciding into one. And so you sit around in the quiet, you, you, know, you know, it's, there's no electronic sound, you know, you have, you know, either, you know, a, a ceiling fan running or your computer fans are on. There's always that electronic sound in your place. And when that's gone, it's just silent. And, and all you do is sit and listen to the fire engines and the sirens of, uh, of the first responders going by. And, uh, and every time that happens, you wonder, uh, is the fire getting closer? Do they know something we don't know? Let's check our phones. Oh, our phone batteries are dead. Let's go out to the car. So we, you know, the big irony in all of this is the only way to get information about this calamity is to keep your cell phone charged. And the only way to keep your cell phone charged uh, without electricity is to plug in your car phone charger, <laughs> plug it into the old uh, cigarette lighter jack, and sit in your running car, spewing CO2 and whatever other awfulness, you know, greenhouse gases into the environment, trying to charge your phone in the middle of a calamity that was probably caused by too much uh, uh, carbon emissions in the environment. That's the big circle of awfulness that we're dealing with here. But I mean, you kind of prioritize and figure out what you need to know in the moment. And, uh, and, and hopefully uh, the downside of all of the carbon emissions that I'm spewing out of my car right now will be made up uh, somehow in the future. Maybe I'll plant a tree or something. I have no idea. For now, it's just a matter of priorities. I mean, it's, it's interesting how uh, in so, during something like this, your priorities change. Where well, it used to be that, uh, you know, in fact, here's a, here's a good way to put it. Friday, uh, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, I had to bring my computer in, my main computer that I used to record the show. I had to bring it into the shop because it wasn't booting up. There was some driver error, which was beyond my capability to fix. So I brought it into the shop, uh, which means I probably wouldn't have done a show or two this week anyway, if the fires hadn't happened. But... Um, Brought it into the shop, 
and two days later, <laughs> the fires happen. But Friday and Saturday, I'm going, this sucks. <laughs> Just <laughs> moping around, complaining, sucks, I don't have my computer, now I'm inconvenienced, and I don't, I can't look at Twitter except on my phone, I don't like my phone, <laughs> you know, and that's the big crisis in your life before the real crisis begins. And I should say, too, that I have no idea if my computer still even exists. Uh, the computer repair shop that I brought it to is down on uh, off of uh, Route 12, which is east of Santa Rosa, directly east of Santa Rosa. And uh, that area happened to have been part of the evacuation zone with fires not only to the north of it, but now in the last day or two, fires to the south of it in the um, Anadel region of uh, Santa Rosa. So I may not even have a computer that I'm waiting for. I've, I've tried to call down there. Of course, there's no answer at the computer repair shop. But everything gets put into perspective uh, once you start dealing with the bare necessities, in this case, the utilities, where we don't have hot water to shower off uh, we don't have any electricity to charge our phones. We don't have any electricity to make our, prepare our meals or anything like that. And a lot of the restaurants are obviously closed. We're talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands. Hey, there's a PG&E truck going by. Go to my house. Go to my house. Fix my electric. Anyway, uh, so I forget what I was saying. Anyway, so uh, this is going to happen. Because, uh, you know, I've got a million things to say and I'm trying to keep them all straight in my head. So, uh, so what was I saying? I was talking about priorities. So you take for granted electric, you take for granted hot water until they're not there. And then, uh, and then that becomes uh, a compounding factor in the crisis. Because not only are you stressed out about the unknown but you're also stressed out about not having the normal things. And, and I've found that uh, in, the, in the various situations like this that I've been in, you begin to really crave the normalcy that you would otherwise take for granted, that you would otherwise say, oh, just this is the same, the same thing happens every day. I'm tired of the same shit happening every day. I'm tired of, of uh, saying the same things about Donald Trump every day or uh, going through the same routine every day until that routine is stripped away through no choice of your own. And then you just crave it. Everything from waking up in the morning and microwaving a bowl of oatmeal to watching Rachel Maddow at night, uh, to having access to Netflix, uh, to just having access to Wi-Fi, things like that are, are modern conveniences that here in the United States were privileged to have, uh, which many of the areas of the United States don't have right now. I mean, you want to talk about an event here that has put me personally in direct uh, touch with uh, the people of, uh, of Houston or the people of uh, Florida or the people of the U.S. Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico, especially. This is like Puerto Rico here. Uh, there are places where infrastructure is still intact, but for the most part, uh, on a, uh, perhaps smaller scale, because the Santa Rosa area is certainly much smaller than the Island of Puerto Rico, 
uh, we are dealing with all of the same things. Uh, loss of life. Right now, I think there are about 15 dead, though the recovery effort is going to take a long time because I read this morning they have to sift through the rubble. And in a lot of cases, uh, the fatalities, the people who, who died in all of this, uh, are nothing but charred remains and bones. So here goes a, uh, a fire truck. There, I'll just roll down my window here a second and get a sense of that. Uh, that's not a good sign. Engine number three of the Santa Rosa Fire Department is heading down Piner toward uh, the 101. Hopefully not anything uh, too serious over there. I imagine a lot of the fire engines that we've seen and, and certainly heard throughout the days and nights have been uh, to just respond to normal things. Uh, that's the pisser in all of this, is that life goes on and fate deals its hand. And not only are we dealing with a massive, massive firestorm crisis here that continues now on day four to occur. In addition to that, uh, people get into accidents, accidents on the 101, rubbernecking, looky-loos as they're calling him on the radio here. Uh, are getting into fender benders and things like that on the freeway, blocking traffic, uh, blocking first responders to be able to get to certain exits to uh, respond to the uh, wildfires. Uh, houses, houses still will catch on fire. Uh, yards will still catch on fire. Downed power lines will still spark and catch a fire. Uh, separate from the actual fires that are occurring uh, elsewhere in the east. So shit goes on. Hey, look, there's another PG&E truck. You know, it's good to see. This is about the fifth or sixth PG&E truck that I've seen driving around. And I imagine they're fanning out in concentric circles, starting in the city of Santa Rosa, where I am right now, and moving further and further out, uh, hopefully getting to uh, our neighborhood, which is about halfway between Santa Rosa and the town of Windsor. Um, just uh, interesting to see how... Uh, first responders tackle situations like this and to learn just by sight the differences between an actual wildfire and a controlled burn. Uh, the other day, I believe it was Tuesday evening, uh, before the curfew set in, they've got a curfew from sundown to sunup uh, here in uh, Sonoma County. And just before the cur curfew, Kimberly and I sat in the car uh, watching a controlled burn in the mountains. Uh, east of the Shiloh area of Santa Rosa, which is north of Santa Rosa. Uh, again, about, you know, maybe a mile from our house. And to see the controlled burns and understand the logic of how they're burning perimeters in order to block the fi the actual fires from advancing any further. If, the, if they create a perimeter of burned and scorched land, the fire obviously can't catch, you know, burned land uh, the same way that it would catch uh, unburned land. And so therefore it creates almost a wall, but of course, you know, the wind starts blowing and embers can blow right over that. But you know, these are other, ex uh, uh, extenuating circumstances that, uh, they can't even predict. You can't predict that crap. Uh, so, so it's a lot of, uh, just waiting around and a lot of stress and a lot of nervousness and, you know, I mean, I, it, it sounds like I'm complaining from a place of privilege. I'm, I'm complaining from a place of wanting to get back to 
normalcy, and I think that's that in and of itself is a normal reaction. Uh, you know, I, I'm someone who, for example, I'm six four. I weigh about two forty. I eat about four thousand calories a day, uh, in a he- very healthy way. I might add, <laughs> not it's not four thousand calories of junk food. It's four thousand calories of food that's hopefully good for me. Uh, but I haven't been doing that in the past four days. I've been eating much less than that, probably 1,500 calories at most, just what we can scrounge. Uh, fortunately, uh, there's a Safeway that is open. Uh, there is a Starbucks nearby that is open. And in fact, I'm going to have to go to the Starbucks to try to transfer this uh, audio over to uh, Patreon. So but speaking of the audio, I'm just going to double check and see if I'm still... Oh, yes, I'm still recording. Thank goodness. 24, uh, looks like 24 minutes in. So I've been yammering for 24 minutes here. Uh, so, you know, you start to think about, uh, getting food and getting into some sort of routine to feel at least somewhat normal. Oh, here comes a fire truck into the parking lot where I'm sitting. (laughs) This is probably some sort of, uh, staging area, uh, I imagine, which is why I've seen PG&E and fire trucks circling around. And now they're, they're directly behind me in the fire truck. It's engine company three. Uh, one thing I mentioned yesterday on, I believe it was on Facebook and Twitter is that we don't really think about the first responders as mere mortals, uh, but they are. And I, I learned that yesterday I was at the, the Starbucks charging my phone and, and having something Starbucksy to eat, which if you've been to Starbucks, you know their food selection. It's not the best food in the world, but I'll take anything. And uh, I was just about to leave when in walked a, a team of uh, officers from the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department. And the first thing I noticed, I, I had to do a double take. They were behind me because my back was facing the door. And as they walked in, just out of the corner of my eye, I thought they were National Guard because they were dressed in almost full military regalia. And again, this is the sheriff's department and they were wearing uh, olive drab jumpsuits with the insignia and the patches and it, and they were wearing the combat boots and things like that. Certainly necessary attire for a situation like this, but I did notice how military they looked. And, uh, and having been through fire situations, which I will detail shortly, um, I have a, a certain uh, high degree of respect for first responders. And so I, I bought them all coffee and, and, and they brought coffee out for other members of their team. And, and so I got to talking to them and several of them had lost their homes, lost everything. Their families were in, uh, evacuation centers or, uh, hotels or, uh, neighbors homes that let them in and, and to stay there. Uh, God only knows where they slept. I, I asked them, have you had any sleep recently? And they said, well, we got a couple hours here and there. The real, the hardest hit. Okay, so my voice recording shut off halfway through that thought. So I'm going to try to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to recap all the things that I said that actually didn't record because I think a uh, incoming phone call disrupted the recording process. I love my iPhone. I really, really do. <laughs> I have no idea why that happened. Uh, so now, so I, what I ended up doing, to be perfectly honest, I just spoke for another 20 minutes 
and nothing recorded. So I was sitting here basically talking to myself. So what was I saying? I was talking about the, uh, the first responders and you know, the, the thing that occurred to me as I was talking to them and, and, and hearing about how some of them had lost their homes. I think they mentioned that three of them had lost uh, their homes entirely in this fire. And you don't realize when you see first responders riding by in their uh, fire engines and, and so on, you don't really realize that, uh, that they also have homes and families, but yet they're still doing their job. They're still uh, doing the impossibly difficult work around the clock, very little sleep, very little uh, resources in terms of food and so on, uh, water, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they have processes for getting that stuff, but when they're responding initially, there may not be a time or an opportunity to find out where your family is or find out if your home is still there or to find out where you're going to uh, sleep that night if at all. And so, boy, did I gain a new appreciation for the job that first responders do in, uh, in situations like this, whether it's wildfires or whether it's hurricanes or uh, any of the other <laughs> awfulness that is, uh, seems to be plaguing the United States right now and other parts of the world. Um, so, so hats off to the first responders and uh, good Lord, there's just, uh, there's so many things that, that we just take for granted. You know, I, I I'm a, obviously, <laughs> I'm a card-carrying liberal who believes in the power of government as a place where people come together to do good. That's how I believe government is or should be, ideally. And you take for granted the fact that if there's a disaster like this, thousands of people showed up. There are 8,000 first responders on the ground right now in Santa Rosa. And they're here through a system that seems to work really well, uh, no matter where you go. It's crap like this that, that tends to function beyond our comprehension, uh, where people prepare for this, they train for this. They know how to contain fires by setting controlled burns. They know how to uh, tackle uh, things like water disasters, such as hurricanes or floods. Uh, and they know the processes that they have to go through in order to get people back to their normal lives. So it's not just fixing the crisis immediately, but then it's also helping to rebuild. And that happens across the board. And that's where government really comes into play and which uh, we unfortunately have an administration right now that is uh, actively starting to tear things down like that. And you can only assume that this is because uh, people like Donald Trump, maybe not him specifically, although I wouldn't put it past him. People like Donald Trump or Steve Mnuchin or Jared Kushner, they don't see uh, situations like this as tragedies. You can see it in Donald Trump's face when he talks about Puerto Rico or when he talks about the hurricanes. He doesn't feel bad. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't expect politicians to be empathetic. But the difference between being empathetic and becoming vulture capitalists uh, is a, a quite, quite a big chasm between those two things. And Donald Trump is on that one side. Jared Kushner is on that one side. Steve Mnuchin is on that one side. What they see in these disasters is they see opportunity to make money. They see opportunity to come in and buy up distressed properties 
and then to, uh, you know, obviously at a significant discount, and then to put whatever their craptastical golf courses and resorts in that space, or just homes, slums, what have you. I mean, we're talking about uh, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life here. We're not talking about George Bailey. And that is the ongoing fight between people who are the George Baileys of the world and the people who are Mr. Potters of the world. And we've got a guy in the White House right now who is Mr. Potter without the, without the gray matter. He's, <laughs> he's stupid Mr. Potter. That's exactly what he is. Nothing but whining and vulture capitalism and uh, just pursuing his own personal wealth. That's all we've seen from those guys. But I will tell you that uh, in the last four days, I've bumped into a lot of people, uh, whether it's at the at Safeway or at Starbucks or just in driving around, uh, trying to get a sense of the damage, trying to get a sense of, uh, of what's working and what's not. The one thing I haven't heard at all is anything about Trump, anything about Hillary Clinton, anything about Bernie Sanders, anything about politics. No one's talking about politics right now. And uh, everyone's, and, and you know, that's, I'm not diminishing the importance of politics. I'm just saying that people have come, to come together in a sense of community uh, that is nice to see. It's nice to know that that still exists in this divided world, uh, in this divided country, that people still can come together irrespective of their politics or which person they voted for president uh, last year. And uh, I was doubtful before all of this happened that something like that could actually occur, but sure as hell has. I imagine it's that way in Texas. I imagine it's that way uh, during Hurricane Irma in Florida and, uh, and certainly uh, in Puerto Rico. Although I think right now in Puerto Rico, they've had enough and rightfully so. Uh, not, just as I'm sitting here surrounded by chaos of these, these uh, firestorms, wildfires, I'm reading tweets about, from Donald Trump about how he should pull the uh, support out of Puerto Rico. They can't, we, can't, we can't stay there too long. We've got to get out. Right. Not helping. Not helping. Um, so I guess by way of my own personal background, something I've been hinting at throughout today's now two-part show is uh, this is not my first fire emergency. Uh, this is my third. In 1971, or 19, I was born in 71, uh, in April of 72, shortly after my parents moved uh, from just outside Washington, D.C. to the D.C. suburbs, bought a home. Uh, they were still building the subdivision uh, when they were laying some sewer pipes. They accidentally, one of the backhoes, one of the construction crews, tore into a gas line which then sent uh, natural gas flooding back into the homes on my cul-de-sac. The home right next to mine uh, exploded and everyone was killed. Uh, the mom and the, and the children were all killed in that, uh, in that explosion. My mom uh, and I were the only ones at home. This was in April, again, April of 72, so I was less than a year old. My mom smelled the gas flooding the house and grabbed me up and ran out of the house just before the house exploded. 
So uh, that was one that my family survived, endured. We rebuilt, my parents rebuilt on the same property, only for nine years later, that house to be severely fire damaged <laughs> in a second fire, this time not a gas fire, it was an electrical fire. Uh, there was a short circuit in one of the, the electric outlets in my brother's bedroom. And we noticed the power was out in that bedroom. So my dad and I went down to flip the circuit breaker in the basement, flipped that circuit breaker, and on our way back up the stairs to where the bedrooms were, I looked down the hallway and saw that disgusting orange glow coming out of their bedroom. And I first, I thought it was a novelty light bulb. I thought they bought an orange light bulb for some reason and put it in one of their light fixtures in their room just for their room to look cool for some reason. But then I realized it was actual fire. And I turned to my dad and said, boy, I think Brian and Jim's bedroom is on fire. And my dad just, uh, his face turned white and he went down to flip the circuit breaker again to, before he went back up. Meanwhile, I got my brothers out. There were no injuries. We were okay in that fire. But of course, most of the house was damaged in the fire. And, uh, and we didn't get to move in again. So my parents rebuilt on that same property once again. And we moved back in once again uh, later that year, later in, uh, this was 1981. Uh, the house burned down in, in April, again, April of 81 and then was rebuilt uh, over that summer and into that autumn, and we moved back into the house later that autumn. And, uh, and it was just, th these are experiences that went through my head on many occasions over the last four days. Certainly when I was going around collecting my belongings, because, you know, when, they're, when your house is on fire, you don't have time to collect your belongings, you just leave. Uh, but fortunately this time, we had some time to go around, but at this, you know, Simultaneous to that, you're thinking, oh, God, what what am I okay with burning? <laughs> and then you start to imagine all your stuff uh, burned and shrunken like shrinky dinks, just completely annihilated, melted in a pile of soot on the ground. Uh, could be at any moment now. And that's not a fun thought to have, especially when you've already been there and you don't want to ever experience that again. I feel like... I've paid my dues to fate when it comes to fire. And maybe in that regard, oh, oh, here comes another fire engine. I hope, I hope that's okay. I'm just rolling down my window to get the sound here. That's uh, another Santa Rosa Fire Department. That is again, engine company number three, uh, heading toward the fire, down Piner Road, moving eastbound toward the 101. So, uh, boy, those are sounds that if I never hear another fire engine again, I'll be a happy boy. So I guess uh, knowing that I I did this once already, <laughs> I think I'm going to wrap up now. But before I do, I just want to thank you and all of my my friends on Facebook and Twitter and, and all of our uh, supporters of the podcast, those of you who have contributed money to the podcast over the years. And we received... I think two dozen new signups at Patreon uh, in the last four days. And I'm so grateful for that. It's, uh, it's so moving and so touching to see that kind of outpouring of support, even though we really, the bottom line is, you know, we didn't lose anything. We're just losing some power and losing some time and maybe losing a little money by not working. Uh, but I do think we're going to get back to normal here sometime soon. That's my fingers crossed hope. Otherwise, I'm going to go total Aaron Brockovich on PG&E. I tell you, 
<laughs> we better get our electric back soon. The same with our gas. I'll at least, I'll, you know what? I'll take the gas. Give me the gas so I can have a hot shower tonight. Because you would not want to be sitting in this car with me right now. <laughs> you would not want to be sitting. I, I smell like you would imagine someone smelling after four days in a major fire calamity. <laughs> Good God. But anyway, so thank you for listening today. Thank you for bearing with me. And, uh, and hopefully we'll do another show sometime soon, hopefully with a computer in front of my face, hopefully with a pair of headphones on my head and a microphone in front of me that I can talk into and not sitting here, uh, spewing, uh, carbon emissions into the air so I can charge my cell phone and do a podcast. But, uh, hopefully we'll be back to normal sometime soon. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time, folks. Bye-bye.